So we are continuing with the very last piece of the John 14 chapter, um, which is what the, the lectionary would have for us on this morning. And technically, if you read the lectionary earlier this week or in preparation for today's sermon, um, the passage for today ends on verse 21, but I actually just extended it all the way to the end of the, end of the chapter because I think it is just so beautiful and so interesting. Uh, John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or encourager or comforter who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will, will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the whole world? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember my words, they are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while, while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I am going to my Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. And I love this last part. Come, let's be going. Just like, time to go. Yep, let's go. <laughs> we continue in this chapter when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and we don't lose sight of the fact that this is still our Easter season, our Easter tide season. We're still within the time when Jesus had not ascended up into glory into the Father. Jesus had been uh, crucified. Uh, buried for three days, resurrected at the third day, and then have been alive and present and ministering to his people for about the next, um, what is it, 40 days, 50 days? 50 days until Pentecost, and then um, uh, the, the, the ascension happens. So we celebrate this season when we're still remembering the power of resurrection, right? Sometimes we can just make it so that Easter is just one Sunday, 
But actually, what we want to do is remember that the presence of Easter is every single day, every single Sunday, every single day with us. We are celebrating the power of resurrection in our lives. So as Jesus is talking to his disciples and as we're thinking about the power of Easter, we find Jesus once again announcing in this time that he is no longer going to be with the disciples. And we talk about this already but not yet season of life, right? I, I, I see that so much right now with my students. I mentioned this last week. They know that they're graduating literally in three weeks. They know that their college time is coming to an end. They already have really good jobs in New York City making more money than me. And they don't want to graduate. They don't want this season to end. They don't want this season to sunset. And we, we see this so much with the good stuff, like when you're a college student, or maybe with a really good movie, right, that you know that two hours is coming up, and, and, and it's been such a good movie that you don't want to, like, leave the, 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 the environment that it created, the feels that it created, but you just know that it's going to end pretty soon. Artists experience this quite a bit when they're creating a piece of art. They, they're painting something, they're sculpting something, they're creating something, and there's almost this fear of the, but it's going to end. The interesting fear of the, what's going to end is not sometimes the fear of, of the future, but more, more so the fear of the unknown and the fear of not knowing what the future is going to feel like. Whether good or bad, I know what this season feels like. But if I actually think of myself going somewhere else, that can be really overwhelming and terrifying. Can For my students, I see that all the time. They, they have good jobs. They have their degrees. They're like in, on paper, you're like, yay, go. But the fear of moving to a new city, of making new friends, of having a new job, of starting a new season when they're no longer college students, but now they're in the workforce, that fear can be terrifying and paralyzing. The fear of ending this sculpture and not knowing if you're going to have enough imagination and creativity to start a new one. The fear of having this moment and season in life, whatever it is that you're going through, and not knowing what the next chapter of your life is going to bring as you retire, or as you get married, or as your children leave the home, or as you bring children to the home. This living in between is exactly where the disciples are at. And it is a, a beautiful moment for us because Jesus is talking to them about this next season of life in which they are still going to be disciples of Jesus, but Jesus is no longer going to be in their midst. For us, it is a very special opportunity to actually catch a little bit of what we experience. We are disciples of Jesus and followers of the way, but we've never actually been with Jesus. We don't know him like that. We don't know him the way that they knew him. They spent, we think it's about three years, traveling the entire land of, of Judea and, and Jerusalem with Jesus, sharing meals with Jesus, getting on boats and off of boats with Jesus, camping with Jesus, messing with the Sadducees and, and Pharisees with Jesus. And all of a sudden, their leader is about to go away. All of a sudden, the person that is the center of their being and the reason why they exist, the person they follow around, the person that gives them the cadence of their every day is about to go away. And he is telling them, 
Soon I will no longer be with you. So there's two big fears that arise in the disciples' heart, and I love because they're also the exact same fears that you and I have. We talked about one last week. Do I belong? When you leave Jesus, am I good enough? Do you love me enough? Have I earned your love enough? Do I belong in your presence? And Jesus answers that question for us, and he says, yes, you belong. There is room for you in my Father's house. You belong with me. The next, the next piece that we see is, is uh, the disciples being concerned about, am I about to be abandoned? No. Are you coming back? I have led my life for the last three years. Everything I've done is around you. I have, I have calibrated my whole self around you. I think the people like Peter who had a wife and probably children, and he still calibrated his life around Jesus. And then there is this moment of, is he going away? Are you coming back for me? And we see this even at the age of one, two, and three, right? This, the moment that children have this awareness of, of the fact that they exist, they also have this awareness that mom exists, or dad exists, or grandma exists. And if you leave just to go to the restroom, there's this question of, are you coming back? <laughs> are, you, are you actually going to come back, right? There's this picture that Nicole took of the, the dog and Eden when she was, I don't know, 18 months old or whatever. And I'm using the restroom, and there's literally the dog and Eden are both looking down underneath the door because they're, they're looking for dad, right? Um, is he coming back? Does dad exist when he's not around? That's the question. Does dad, does mom exist when she goes to work? It, to a certain extent, it's silly, isn't it? Yes, of course mom exists when she goes to work. But that's the question that you ask yourself when you're one, two, three, and four. And actually, that is the question that we still ask of God to this day. Are you there, dad? Does God exist when things are not going my way? Does God exist when I'm not feeling the presence of God around me? And see, it is not that hard, is it, to, to, to get into this sense of abandonment. I mean, all you have to do is just read the news or turn on the TV to see that there is a lot of things happening in the world, not even to get into our own personal lives. Between climate change and political situation and the economy and workforce and demographics, there is plenty to be concerned. There's a war going on in Europe. There's a war going on in um, Congo, Sudan. There's another war going on in, in, the, in the African continent. There is so much going on right now that we can ask ourselves this question, is Jesus even around? Is God around when I don't see it? And it's hard. It's hard for us to to think of who are we as Jesus' people if Jesus is not with us, if Jesus is not right here in our midst. For 2,000 years, we have been living on this side of this question and of this equation. For 2,000 years, we've been wondering the same question. Has God abandoned us? And I love that Jesus prepares us for this moment, and he tells us exactly what we need to hear. Verse 19, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. 
See, there is this concern that we're no longer going to see Jesus, so we're concerned that, you know, what does this mean and who am I? But Jesus says, even though the world doesn't see me, you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I think one of our biggest temptations for us, just like the Beatitudes, is to think of these words as just beautiful poetry and sayings. Oh, the world doesn't see me, but uh, we will see him. That's just beautiful. It is, in fact, beautiful. But I think it is so much more than that. I think Jesus meant it when he said, The world will not see see me. I will no longer be here with you, but you will see me. I think that is the crux of what the, the spirit life and the life of the gospel is about. It is not just about having this, uh, this assertion or this idea of who Jesus is at one point in time in history, but it is this constant awareness of the presence of Christ right here in our midst at this very second. It is that 2,000 years have passed since Jesus was walking among us, but Jesus is still here with me and with you at every second of my life. And I really believe that the the, the secret and the mystery of salvation is the awareness that we bring to the presence of Christ with us and in us and in our midst at every single second. And we're not alone by saying that this is what what, what the the desert mothers and fathers and, and the prophets and the monks and nuns have been telling us for centuries when we practice the awareness of the presence of God, that Christ is no longer here in, 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 in physicality, but the Spirit of Christ is here. And that is the mystery of the gospel, that there is no difference between the physical presence of Jesus and the spiritual presence of Jesus. It is the union of both of them that makes the gospel so special. It is the union of spirit and matter and that there is no distance. We are no further away from Jesus than the disciples were 2,000 years ago. Amen. But if, if, if we truly believe that, right, it would really change the way we would approach our lives and our decision making and how we go about our days. If we truly believe that there is no distance between Jesus 2,000 years ago and Jesus right now, it would change who we are to the very core. Amen. And that's the mystery of salvation. This awareness, this waking up to the presence of Christ right here. Acts, we were just reading Acts 17 a second ago. In Him we move and breathe and have our being. You're not away from Christ. You're not apart from Christ. There is nowhere where you can go that you can be outside of the presence of Christ. But you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. Jesus knew that we were going to be concerned. That we were going to be abandoned. And he prepared, prepared us for it. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Who will never leave you. 
She's talking about the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's why we, I was just saying that this song that we sang couldn't be a more perfect song. Holy Spirit, let us be aware of your presence. This is the life of the gospel. A life full of the Spirit and full of awareness of the Spirit. See, the Spirit of God is everywhere. Has been from the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over everything. The Spirit was already universally present. It is us awakening to the reality of the presence of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And think about how much this would change if every single time, and I know this is hard and I'm not good at it, but every single time that you're interacting with your kids, even when they're being a little complicated, you see the presence of the Spirit in them. Think about how this would change if every time you're at work and you're talking to that person that just drives you insane, you see the Spirit of Christ in them. If every time you turn the TV or read the news and there's that one character or person that is driving you insane, you see the Spirit of Christ and the presence of God in them. If we come to understand that God is everywhere and that we can be in Christ and Christ can be in us, and out of this mutual union we obey God's commandments, then we know that we're never alone. We're always in God and in the presence of Christ because God is in us and us in Him. Imagine what this awareness would do to any bitterness or resentment that you might have against someone in your heart when you're fully aware of the presence of God in you and in them. Imagine what it would do to your anger, to your bitterness, to your greed, Imagine what it would do to your and my insatiable desire to constantly label and judge things as good or as bad, as in or out, as better or worse. Imagine what it would do to our self-critic if we are awakened to the reality of the presence of God in us and us in God. Verse 20 says, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me. You will know. This idea of you don't know this yet, but you will know. Once resurrection happens, you will understand that I am, that Jesus is in the Father. And that you are in me, meaning that we are in Jesus, and I am in you, that Jesus is in us. Again, I think the biggest temptation for us is to read this just as beautiful, poetic allegory. And I do not think that's what Jesus was doing. I think he literally meant that you and I are in the presence of God as God is in the presence of Christ and Christ is in the presence of us. And to be awakened to this reality is earth-shattering. That there is no distance between Jesus and you. That you're there. That he's in you. That he's alive. Verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. We talked about this last week. Our only ability to do the things that Jesus told us to do, it is not out of ourselves willing ourselves to be Jesus-y. The only way we do that is through the love and abiding presence of God. And from it, these good works emanate. They don't emanate from you willing yourself to being good. 
They emanate from you understanding the abiding presence of God in you. And when you do that, the way that you act is the way that Jesus act, acted. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Back again to this question of do I belong? When you are in the Father and the Father's in you, the Father will make a home with you for both of you. You belong. You're not outside. You're not outcast anymore. You don't have to wonder if God is accepting you. You belong with God. And that which you can imagine as the most homey thing, maybe that's where you're going to go get to after church. Maybe you're going to celebrate with mom and have that perfect recipe or whatever it is that mom can make for you. That is the presence of God. And like that, you get to be in the presence of God. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. When the Father sends the Advocate as my, as my representative, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And to end, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. I don't know about you, but I need this gift. I need peace of mind and peace of heart. I can go day by day and moment by moment and hour by hour and replay it all in my head right before bed because I don't have that peace of mind or peace of heart. And Jesus says, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give you. So do not be troubled and do not be afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. I am not going to abandon you. If you really love me, you will be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that you will believe. And then the last part of that verse that I just find so fascinating. But I will, not, I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Let's go. Let's go walk the way of Jesus. Walking the way of Jesus requires two things. One, that we act and do the things that Jesus did. And two, that we are aware of the presence of Jesus. This is what made the disciples in this group, in this movement so powerful. It was not just 12 people. It was 12 people and Jesus. 2,000 years later, it is not just the 20, 25, 30 of us. It is the 30 of us and Jesus. It is the same. No longer the physical presence of Jesus, but His Spirit is still here with us. And His desire and His command is for us to come. Let's be gone. Let's go. Let's walk the way of Jesus. Let's love like Jesus. Let's call people in like Jesus. Let's feed the hungry like Jesus. Let's forgive sins like Jesus. Let's be generous and gracious and loving and kind and merciful and gentle like Jesus. So come. Let's be going. Let us pray. Father, we come into your presence and we ask once again that we might be aware of your presence in our lives right now. Father, we want to be in you 
And we want you to be in us. And more importantly, we want to be aware of the way that you are in us and in everything else. Father, we want our minds to be absolutely enthralled by your presence and the mystery of your presence over the entire world. Father, we want to recognize that in the middle of great pain and suffering, you are there as our comforter. In the middle of great victory and celebration, you are there as our comforter. In the middle of the monotony of life and just the, the everyday kinds of things in our commute and grocery shopping, you are there, right there. The fullness of your presence is right there at Hannaford's whenever we go shopping this week. So, Father, would you awaken us to be a community that is seeing who you are and where you are? Would you allow us to see your presence in our siblings, in our nephews and nieces, in our, in our moms and dads and our family members this week? Would you allow us to see your presence in our teachers and managers and bosses and employees? Would you allow us to see your presence all around us. And will you give us this gift of peace, this peace that the world cannot give us, but only you can. So be with us this week, Father, and let us be a community that is entirely aware that you are in us and that we want to be in you. Give us this gift this morning, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Amen. I invite you to go ahead and grab the children, and we're going to celebrate communion this morning. Communion is just one more opportunity.